Today, we're excited to introduce our listeners to Embrace and their new Flutter SDK. Embrace's Flutter SDK is a game changer for Flutter developers. With its easy integration and powerful insights, you can gain a comprehensive understanding of your app's performance and user behavior. You'll be able to monitor your app's startup time, view network requests, and track user sessions all in one place. But what sets Embrace apart is their dedication to providing actionable insights. Their SDK goes beyond telling you what's wrong. It also provides recommendations for how to fix the issues. This means you can spend less time diagnosing problems and more time improving your app. So if you're a Flutter developer looking to take your app to the next level, head over to Embrace and check out their new Flutter SDK. You'll gain a deeper understanding of your app's performance and your user's behavior, and you'll be able to make data-driven decisions to improve your app. Be sure to visit dash.embrace.io forward slash APM to sign up for a free trial, learn more about their Flutter SDK, and take your app to new heights. Hello, welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today, we have Ethan Elshayab, who is the creator of uh, Flutter Val. Welcome, Ethan. How are you? Hi, Alan. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on the show. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. And I'm happy to hear that you're working on a similar product as a previous guest, right? The Hydro SDK, uh, this Flutter Val, right? It's a way to hot code reload uh, Flutter. Yeah, so I've, uh, I've talked with Chris before. He's the creator of Flutter of uh, Hydro SDK. And uh, yeah, he's, uh, Hydro SDK is a really cool um, product that he made. And, you know, we, we'd spoken before and a lot of what I've done is actually inspired by his work. Yeah. I think we need to kind of roll back a little bit. Like, you know, you seem quite young to me. So I don't know, are you still in school or are you actually working full time? I'm kind of curious about your background. Yeah. So I'm uh, working full time at a web development place in um, Colorado here. Uh, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not really mostly working with Flutter, um, but we have explored a few Flutter products. Now, actually, what got you into Flutter? You're saying you're a web developer, but Flutter and web, I mean, of course, there's some relation, but not a lot. Yeah, um, so back uh, a few years ago, I was working with a friend um, creating our own startup app, and um, it was like this app for finding quotes to use in essays for uh, school essays. And so, um, yeah, I, I was looking around at all the different options. I actually explored just coding in native iOS for a little bit. And um, it, it just became really clear to me that like the native options weren't that great. And I looked into using Flutter and I just kind of immediately fell in love. I was like, wow, this is so much better, um, especially than, you know, I, I had been doing Android development for a while, but especially compared to iOS development with Xcode. Um, I just found Xcode to be a complete nightmare. And so, yeah, when I, when I dove into Flutter, I was like, wow, this is totally a completely different level of user experience. Um, and so, yeah, I, I dove into making this like uh, app using Flutter. Uh, at the time, I actually used um, Angular Dart, I believe, to create the web version of it as well. So we could share code between Android, iOS, and the web. And uh it was a really cool project and i really enjoyed working with it and since then i've just sort of been in the flutter ecosystem working on uh various different packages and flutter projects now what happened to the startup did you guys get any traction or are you a millionaire now 
it, it got a little bit of traction, but um, it's not it's not around anymore. Um, I probably made like two thousand dollars off of it. It's probably more than what most people make on most startups, to be honest. Usually, people kind of leave. Um, you know, the, at least investors are kind of high and dry sometimes, right? A lot of people do these things go bust for some sad reason. Right. So you made two thousand in revenue. Was it? Were you guys funded, or how was your your kind of journey? No, it was just a really small thing between me and my friend. You know, we just uh, published this app on the App Store and on the Google Play Store. Um, you know, it didn't really like work on it. We just sort of were working on it after school. Um, and, you know, over time, we just got some traction. I think the web version was a huge boost to our traction. We got a lot of our revenues from Google search, people seeing the quotes that we had and they were doing Google searches for a specific book and then coming and looking them up on our Now, how did you come across Flutter, right? Because there's so many other choices. Of course, I think probably the most popular one is uh, React Native, right? So, so what brought Flutter onto your radar? Oh, wow. I don't even remember at this point. That was like, what, six years ago? So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't totally tell you. Now, things have definitely changed since then, right? And you're still using Flutter for other projects, or are you just doing it only in your free time? Yeah, so uh, we've looked into using it at my work, and um, there's certainly projects that we would do with it if it was like a mobile project. Um, but yeah, I would say for the most part, my usage of Flutter is for my in my free time on my personal projects and you know I have, I have a few projects besides just like flutter eval but um yeah that's sort of the main one but now i'm kind of curious about what got you interested to start working on using the hot code reload part so first of all when you look around at like the the flutter ecosystem like the number one most uh upvoted issue in the flutter github repository is flutter code push uh and in fact, I was I saw this stat the other day and I almost couldn't believe it. It's like the twentieth most upvoted issue on the entirety of GitHub, not even Flutter specific, but the all of GitHub. It's like the twentieth most upvoted issue. So there's this huge demand for it. But um, for me, like my story with it actually started a little bit earlier. I um, was really interested in Flutter Desktop when that was first becoming a thing. Um, I think this was back in like uh 2019 probably that um flutter desktop was not an official google project yet but it was being worked on by someone at google and there there was like this unofficial github repository for it so i um was really interested in that and i went and um i uh started working on making this flutter ide um and uh so it was basically just like this like demonstration that oh you can actually use Flutter Desktop for more than just like taking your like little mobile app and blowing it up on a big screen. No, you can actually make real desktop apps with this. Um, and I think my it was with this Flutter IDE project that I made. I um, I was also using Dart FFI and brought in like a full terminal. And I, I made this demo where I um, took this Flutter IDE and I loaded itself its own project inside of it and um you know uh compiled it using itself and then hot reloaded it using its own terminal so it was basically self-hosting flutter and i uh, posted that demo and um i think that was the first thing that i posted that, that like really got a lot of traction um, people were like wow you can use flutter desktop to actually make real desktop apps 
Um, so I think the long-term goal of that project was to have something that would, you know, actually have like a um, drag and drop visual UI editor um, for Flutter. And uh, so I started working on a few few prototypes of that um, where you would be able to drag and drop like little Flutter components in and then it would like update the code on the side and then it would show you what had changed. And I pretty quickly realized that you needed to have uh, like a um, actual Dart interpreter in order to do that in any reasonable way because Flutter code is so built around this idea that you know you have the full power of Dart available to you. You can do so many things that you can't do in other frameworks because you are actually just writing directly in a programming language. You're not using XML or um, some weird like you know plist file that's describing the UI. You're just using code. Um, so after making a few prototypes, I, I sort of went into like, okay, I need to actually build a Dart interpreter in order to get this to work. So that's sort of the origin of uh, Flutter UL. Dart interpreter, that's a pretty big step now. Yeah, I think it seemed more approachable to me because I built these like smaller prototypes incrementally. Like the first one was just something that essentially looked up like the different widget class names in a map of like string to like the uh, like a closure that created the class. Um, so I already had that working and I was like, oh, okay, well, this works. Now the next step is just make it a Dart interpreter. I, I was maybe a little bit naive in that assumption. It's not, uh, it's a much larger level of work, but um, I'm really happy that I chose to pursue it because it's really interesting and fun and a hard problem to solve. I mean, hasn't this problem kind of been solved already with like the, the Dart VM? I mean, isn't that basically a Dart interpreter? Yeah, so um, Dart eval is a little bit different than the Dart VM. Um, what you're doing with the Dart VM really is it's taking all of the code and it's compiling it to one big program that um, runs on its own standalone. And I think the biggest difference with Dart eval is that you're only compiling some of the code, right? You're compiling the user-written code, but you're not compiling the entire Flutter framework. You're not compiling the core Dart libraries. Um, so I think really the biggest challenge with Dart eval has been how do you how do you make it so that you can just write this uh, user code and then have it link to the Dart code um, that's already been written in the in the Dart VM. Um, it's a little bit challenging to explain sort of sort of this difference, but uh, like if you think about it, when you're going and you're writing a Flutter app, like you're gonna create like a container, right? And in your Flutter code's gonna create the container. Now if you're writing in that in the Dart VM, the Dart VM is compiling your code that's creating the container, but it's also compiling the Flutter SDK, which has the container in it, right? So it's compiling everything. It's compiling your code, it's compiling the Flutter code. Um, all the way down the stack and compiling even the, the core Dart libraries to some extent. Um, and, you know, Dart eval has to figure out a way to uh, not do that. It has to figure out a way to say, okay, well, you're just creating this container. Um, now go and create the container over in Dartland and then come back here once you're done. Uh, it sounds very complicated. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it'd be just be easier just to ship the Dart VM rather than to build an interpreter. 
Yeah, so there's some there's some like advantages to both approaches, and I think uh, if you're looking up at the like market of codefish, there's there's a uh, shorebird is the other sort of like up and coming big approach, and that's essentially what they're doing is they're just taking the uh, Dart VM and they're you know compiling it using that, and they're hot updating um, by just pushing a new like uh, libapp.so file which contains like all of your compiled code. Um, and there, there's sort of advantages and disadvantages here. Obviously, the big advantage to that is they get to reuse all of the existing Dart compilation infrastructure. Um, all of the existing tooling is there. You know, that there's support 100% of the Dart language out of the box, um, which makes a ton of sense. Um, there's a few disadvantages. So the first big disadvantage to that is that they don't support iOS. Um, iOS, there is not really any way to get that to run that compiled code like the ios flat out blocks jit execution so they're the code that they're running can't actually work on ios they're gonna have to come up with some other solution which might be something like dart eval or something using possibly WebAssembly in the future um and uh the other disadvantage or one other disadvantage at least is security so in Dart eval, you can partially update just one single component in your app. Like maybe all you need to update is your login screen. You don't need to update any of the rest of your app. So what you can do is you can go and create this, this very targeted update that just modifies your login screen. Um, and you can grant this uh, running, this like update access to only the very specific permissions that you need to give it for that login screen. Like maybe it'll only like log the only endpoint it needs to be able to hit is the uh, slash API slash login endpoint. So that's the only network call it's allowed to make is going to a slash API slash login. Um, and it's not allowed to do any file system writing. It's not allowed to make any other network calls. And so you're actually completely safe. Like there's nothing an attacker can do to grab those login credentials because the only endpoint allowed to hit is your own server's API login endpoint. Um, whereas with something where you're updating like the entire app code, well, there's just no way to enforce that, right? You can say, well, it's only allowed to hit like these, you know, 30 endpoints and you know, read like uh, you know, this this file system, but you know, like if you want to add a new feature, that's not really sustainable because um, you can't just can't make any other API calls. So um, Dartyvel has this ability to make these very targeted and very secure, like guaranteed updates. And uh, also because it's these very targeted updates, you can continue to run the entire rest of your app code in um, in full Dart AOT compilation. So uh, you know this login screen might be running inside of Dartyvel, so it's going to be a little bit slower. But the rest of your app code is still running at 100% full speed, compiled using Dart VM, completely native. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a pretty big advantage. Okay, so in order to to run this, you have to actually rewrite some of the pieces using special widgets, right? I think they're basically one to one copies in terms of like the outside, the way it looks and works on the outside. No. Uh, sorry, which one are you talking about? Well, what I'm trying to under, what I understand is that because I was looking at um, at the README over here. And you're saying over here that, um, where was it? 
So you have, all right, so you have a stateless widget in your example, the first example you have, and you have a hot swap loader, right? And so this one's pointing to an EBC file, and that's your, that's basically the update file or like the latest version of that page, right? Mm -hmm. And so every time it's going to have to keep pulling that URL. Like, so if I close my app and then return it back on, it has to pull that from the server and then run Yeah, that. so it, it downloads the latest EBC file. Um, and then uh, that EBC file contains uh, like instructions for which parts of the app to update, basically. Okay. So if there's no network access, then basically there's no default widgets to show at this point, or or that's not a there's a fallback. So if there's no network access, what it's going to do is it just falls back to um, the child parameter of that widget. So so basically, if you put in those hot swap widgets, um, yeah. So basically, the architecture of this is you you have your existing app, right, and then you go and every place in your app where you want to be able to make a change at some point in the future, you put in a hot swap widget. Um, and by default, these don't do anything at all, right? Um, so th these just directly fall back to your regular app and everything runs as normal. Um, then if you want to code push an update, um, you're going to you know upload this EDC file to the um, URI you specify in the, in the top level hot swap loader widget. And then if it pulls that and it finds that it exists, then it's going to swap out any of these components that you've overridden um, with the update. Okay, I see. So then every time it, you close it, reopen, it has to re-download just in case something's missing, right? Yeah, so every time you, you close it and reopen it, it's going to like recheck and see if there's a new update available. I mean, how big can those files be? I mean, that sounds like it could be quite big, no? Yeah, so, so right now they're... You see a typical one being probably around, you know, 200 to 300 kilobytes. Um, it's, uh, and most of that is really just because of the Flutter icons class. <laughs> like entirely that, that file is like, uh, I don't know, 4,000 lines long. It's insane. Um, and uh, so if you actually write like some code, it's not going to change that much. It'll, it'll go from like, you know, 250 kilobytes to like, you know, maybe 350 kilobytes after you've added a few overrides. Yeah, I'm trying to go through a doc and seeing how to actually create this EBC file. But I do see that you have uh, it, you have a dot eval, dot dart eval, and then you have bindings inside there's flutter eval.json. That flutter eval.json file is, what is that one doing exactly? Let's see. Um, yeah, so the way that it works is um, you've got the, so, so flutter eval and dart eval are, are two, connected projects, right? Flutter eval is based on Dart eval. And um, Dart eval provides like this whole, the whole runtime and the compiler. And then Flutter eval is basically the bindings to Flutter and the way to use it easily in Flutter. Um, so when you're compiling your update, um, Dart eval compiler needs to be informed of all of these Flutter classes that it has access to. So flutter.eval.json is basically a serialized version of all of the descriptions of the Flutter classes to the Dart eval compiler. So it, it becomes aware of them and knows how to work, how to compile Flutter code. And those are all the ones tagged with the hot swap, right? Um, so hot swap is more of a convenience class. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's just to allow you to easily use the Flutter eval and the Dart eval runtime in your Flutter code. Um, the, so yeah, like Flutter eval 
to break it down, it has like sort of a few separate parts. Um, one of them is the compile time descriptors. And these basically just like describe the entire layout of every class in, in an app. Um, like it describes all the methods on each class and it describes uh, the types that they return and what type each class extends uh, for all the Flutter classes. Um, and that's what gets serialized to JSON and passed to the Dart Eval compiler. So the Dart Eval compiler takes that, compiles it down to this like bytecode. Um, then you have the Dart Eval runtime. Um, so the Dart Eval runtime is what's going to actually take this bytecode that's been compiled and run it. And uh, so for that, Flutter Eval has runtime classes that actually um, get created by the uh, Dart Eval runtime. So it'll like say, oh, go and create a container widget. And then Flutter Eval will be able to look up the name container and uh, turn that into a widget, uh, into, into its like bridged container widget, um, which has, you know, which is just like a wrapper around the container widget that gives it the ability to look up methods by string. So it can, if you look, if you want to call the build method, you can look at, look that up by the string build and it'll be able to find that method, uh, which you can't do in normal Dart, obviously. So um, then the third component of Flutter eval is like the hot swap loader and hot swap. And those are basically just the convenience classes that wrap the Dart eval runtime and make it easy to stick it into your widget tree. Okay, interesting. So we can actually use the Dart eval and just plain Dart projects and do something similar where we can just hot push. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people are using it for that. I've looked at the GitHub like dependencies graph and the number one top use for Dart eval is just to make a calculator. A calculator is, is it that calculators are just so hard that they want to keep uh, out updating them i'm kind of curious <laughs> yeah i'm not entirely sure dartyval is very overkill for making a calculator well, calculators aren't, aren't so easy but yeah they're also kind of been done many times right now the evc right what why evc this is that evaluated code maybe i don't know what what evc would stand for it just for. means like eval code um okay yeah i, I had originally called it dbc for like dart bytecode but then it turned out that DBC was actually a real thing that the official Dart compiler uses to, to create its own bytecode. Um, so I stopped using that name and switched to DBC. Yeah, so you have to install this Dart eval CLI and then actually run it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so so there's a few different ways that you can use Flutter eval. Um, you know, this, like, the the code push is sort of, like, the, the what I think will be the biggest use case. Um, but you could also use it to make something completely different, like a, a educational app where you're teaching people how to code with Dart because uh, you can use it sort of to just like uh, directly evaluate Dart code inside your app. So that's, that's maybe more of what the example is showing is how to use it um, in, in that sense. And I think that's also another pretty pretty cool uh, use case for, for Flutter eval. It's, uh, you know, if you look, but it's linked to EvalPad, which is basically DartPad, but it's running using Flutter Eval, so it can run on iOS and anywhere else. Um, and yeah, you can just directly, you know, one of the one of the big things that I tried to do was make the Dart Eval compiler really fast. So you know, the official, the, the like normal Dart compiler, if you're taking your program and you're compiling, it's going to probably take like somewhere around twenty seconds to compile. Um, but the Dart Eval compiler can compile pretty reasonably sized Flutter program in like 
200 milliseconds. Where do you even learn to start creating something like this? I mean, I understand it's baby steps, but like what kind of resources were you relying on? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a big helpful one actually was uh, Crafting Interpreters by, I believe it's uh, Bob Nystrom, who is one of the creators of the Dart language. Um, yeah, I, I looked at that book is, is pretty amazing. So um, if anyone wants to check it out, that's like a fantastic resource for, for learning about how to create interpreters and uh, stuff like this. I wanted to get him on the show because uh, everybody, uh, even outside of Dart, people are always referencing that book. Oh, yeah. And that, totally. There's a pretty recent book, too. It's like a couple of years, if even that. It's like last year or something. Super recent. Yeah, I know. It came out very recently. So it's, uh, yeah, he's he's quite amazing. And that, that, that book is pretty fantastic in terms of, I was lucky enough to have started working on the bytecode version of Darty Bell after it came out. Because, um, yeah, Darty Bell used to, used to just be like a direct, uh, AST interpreter, um, which uh, was was great for like testing, but it was incredibly slow. I, I saw a lot of people being like, "Wow, this is like two thousand times slower than Dart." And I was like, oh, "I need to, I need to make a bytecode interpreter." And I think Chris uh, really pushed me to do that as well. Yeah, why don't we kind of talk about that? Because I'm kind of curious. Because obviously, I mean, there's there must be some things that are shared, but you know, I think your solutions are, are quite different. To a certain extent, I mean, obviously the implementation is quite different because his is like, got TypeScript and Lua, but yours is just straight Dart, if I understand correctly, right? Right. Yeah. So um, it's it's actually a little bit more similar than you might think, um, because he's using a Lua bytecode interpreter uh, inside of uh, Flutter to basically run run Hydro, and um, so that was definitely an inspiration to me, seeing that that could work. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna make. I, I made my own bytecode, but it's it's still quite similar. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, Hydro is a is a very cool project, and um, you know, when when you look at it, like it, it's using this like TypeScript uh, compiler to take your TypeScript code and then generating this Lua bytecode out of it and running it. And I think that's just because like it's super easy to to run Lua bytecode, like every I think there was already a Dart Lua bytecode interpreter out there that uh, Chris like took and updated and used. Um, and then, you know, uh, one of the really cool thing he created was uh, SWID, which is structured wrapper interface something or other, and um, it's basically an automatic generator for bindings. Um, so, in Dart eval, what I'm what I have to do is every time I want to add support for a new Flutter class. I have to go and write this like binding for it where it, it has the compile time binding, which I described. So it, it tells the compiler like the layout of the class and everything that's in it. And uh, also has this runtime binding so that it can go and access the fields and methods uh, when it's actually running. Um, so, you know, one thing I've wanted to do for a while is create a automatic binding generator. And Chris did that for Hydro SDK. Uh, and it's, um, it's pretty cool. It, it can handle a lot of interesting cases and uh, just like sort of take ingest the entire Flutter SDK and make this big like uh, blob of bindings that just like let you use pretty much any class. Um, and yeah, I, I talked with him about actually integrating that into Dart eval. Ultimately, um, I think he he's no longer working on Hydro SDK at the moment because uh, he got a job at Apple, I believe. But um, yeah, I, I've 
definitely want to make something like that at some point. You know, the only reason I haven't really is because of GitHub Copilot. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, oh man, I really need to make a bind generator. And then GitHub Copilot came out and all of a sudden, like, I, it's still like not great, but I can like, you know, write like what I sort of like a little bit of what I want and then just autocomplete the rest of the file. And it usually works pretty well. So I, uh, I decided to use that for the time being. Okay. I, I didn't know that, um, that he stopped working on Hydro SDK. I actually haven't caught up with him in quite some time. Yeah, it's too bad. I just took a look at the project. There's quite a few PRs waiting over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit sad. Yeah. Cause I mean, but I'm hope, I hope I can continue his legacy. <laughs> well, actually it looks like most of the PRs are just package upgrades from GitHub. Yeah. 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 There's been a few, like over the years, there's been quite a few like, uh, code push, uh, projects you know like chimera was another big one that a lot of people were looking at and um, I, I never actually tested it but it claimed to be able to compile or to be able to run the entire flutter gallery um which is sort of like still pretty far out of reach for for flutter eval so um but you know that package also hasn't been updated in like a year what i find interesting is like you said like it's you're saying it's the 20th most popular kind of feature request or at least uh, issue on github for flutter um, and I'm aware that the Flutter team is kind of pushing it off and saying that they think the investment is not really worth the outcome and also kind of, you're going to have a, a slowdown in performance, right? Right. But, um, you know, why why doesn't, because there's so many people who are, I, I actually follow that thread, I believe, at least one of them. And um, there's a huge amount of interest. And there's also a huge amount of people just dropping names like, hey, yeah, I'm working on it, or these guys are working on it. And I wish that they would just come together and rally around just a couple of solutions, because I feel like there's like... Mm -hmm. Be around 10 or so i think that have come out yeah there's there's quite a few and i haven't looked at all of them you know the main ones i've looked at are you know hydro sdk i've talked with chris about it um and like shorebird because that has like the most hype right now it's created by the founder of uh, flutter right so that's a, a kind of a big one um what's the name of that one shorebird shorebird okay i haven't heard about this one yeah, yeah it's uh eric sidel uh is the founder of Flutter um, is working on this, actually, which is a pretty interesting company to be in. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm aware that he left um, Google, but I didn't know what he's doing. So this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, for a lot of people, you know, I think some of these solutions can coexist. Like uh, Flutter, Eval, and Shorebird definitely target sort of different um, use cases in a sense, I think. Shorebird is going to be pretty much perfect for anyone who just wants to be able to update an Android app. Um, it's gonna let you use the entire Dart SDK and you know compile that, and it's it's gonna work super well for for anyone who wants to just do that. Um, with the exception, of, with the minor exception of like the security stuff that I talked about before, um, and you know Dart eval is sort of targeting like a broader like oh you can actually update ios apps which is like the number one challenge in making something like this work is always how do you get ios because it, the app store policies are so restrictive and they don't want to allow jit on their their platform um but yeah I, so i think they can sort of coexist in that sense and as well i mean you know i, I know that they have some plan to possibly do something like Dart eval in the future or possibly using WebAssembly, which uh, would be really cool to see. 
Um, so there's going to be like multiple options for people out there. Have you tried reaching out to these other these other places besides uh, Chris's project of Hydro SDK? Yeah, I mean, I I've like introduced myself to Eric, and uh, but um, not a ton besides that. And what was Eric's reply? I'm just kind of curious because this is so, this is the first time I heard. Like I know he's been kind of hinting at looking at working at something, but I didn't know he actually announced something yet. Yeah, I mean, we just like said hi to each other and. Uh, you know, I said, like, very nice to meet you. It's really cool that you're working on this. And he, he said the same to me. Okay. It's, it's too bad that we couldn't. But it's, I think they're, they're targeting more enterprises, what I see when I looked at um, some, of the, some of the stuff just now. So that's interesting. And, and actually, it's kind of funny. Like, I almost feel like looking at this page from Eric, it's like, okay, the guy that created Flutter, maybe he's so frustrated that he couldn't get this code push that he just left Google <laughs> <laughs> to work on this idea. I don't know. I, I'm guessing it's, it's probably not. It could be one of the one of the reasons, but I I doubt it. I think it's just you know you you want to kind of do something else. I also find it kind of interesting that a lot of people who've worked on Flutter or worked with Flutter continue to work with Flutter and even try to make their own ventures out of it, which is super interesting. Yeah, it's uh it's just like the developer experience of Flutter is um still probably the best. Like even now now that there's like Compose and Swift UI, obviously those those are great. Um, but you know they they are not cross platform, so Flutter still has the advantage. Well, Apple has no intention, I think, to ever make that cross platform. But I mean, maybe I mean Swift is now cross platform, right? Same with uh, C sharp, but um, I I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, I don't think it was Apple who made it cross platform. I think some other person. Uh, it could be. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really like Swift, and I want to make it cross platform. Yeah, that's a good good question. I don't actually. I don't know. I think they're. I think they're just trying to push it. But I. I don't know. That's a good question. I thought they they did. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I mean, for them to, I think their Swift UI may be too much in ingrained with like their their SDK to really make it cross platform. I mean, you had to rebuild all this stuff, right? Right. As opposed to Flutter, which is not really platform, which really platform agnostic from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if you've seen like the Arc browser at all, um, but that's a, a project where they're they're actually taking Swift UI and getting thrown on Windows. Um, to build their browser, so if they if they can make that work, then it would be totally cool because then you know that that would be available across uh, at least Windows. I'm not sure about it, if they have any plans to bring it to Android. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what what the plan is. I think I've actually heard of this browser. It sounds familiar because I think I've seen they have a very specific browser that they're working on, right? The browser company. Yeah, it's supposed to be like the browser that is really so much better. Supposed to help somehow. They wanted to re-engineer how everything worked. Yeah, it's. I mean, I haven't tried it personally, but. Uh, it looks like a, a pretty cool idea. Well, the other thing, well, the, an important part, right, is that you're still working on this so far. Yeah, Apple hasn't snatched you up. It seems like everybody who works at Apple drops <laughs> whatever interesting sure. stuff they're working on because I guess they have to. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably part of the, the the talk, right? And I'm sure that the interesting thing that they're working on is probably what got them picked up in the first place. So it's kind of a weird uh, thing. Yeah. And I mean, the reason this came up is because, you know, you just did a release recently, I believe. And you put it post on Reddit, which is how I saw it. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's been a few releases, and uh, you know they've they've gotten very varying levels of interest. I think um, you know the probably the biggest release before this one was uh, you know when I switched to using bytecode, and it was like, oh my god, this is now 250 times faster. And everyone's like, wait, what? 250 times faster? Things don't just get 250 times faster. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, 0.6 is is a pretty big update um, because it introduces this whole hotswap mechanism 
um, there was not a great way to actually do code push before. Like you could have it run interpretive code, but there wasn't a great way to like say, oh, I want to go like target this part of my app and update that and target this part of my app and update that and have the rest of it continue running normally. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think, you know, um, when you're looking at the project, it works today for uh, a lot of use cases. You're not just going to be able to run any Flutter code uh, because there's still a lot of features that aren't supported. Um, you can't uh, run a pub package, for example, yet. Uh, but these are all, you know, things that I'm still work that I'm working on. But obviously, you can pull in that pub package and use it within your code, no? Or you you really cannot? Not yet. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, if I added that ability right now, most of the time it still wouldn't work. <laughs> so even if you were able to pull in the pub packages, um, the vast majority of them are, you know, and uh, the people who create pub packages are generally pretty good Dart developers, and they use a lot of, you know, sort of advanced start features because they want to make good packages that, um, you know, are kind of like using all of the, taking advantage of everything that Dart has to offer. Um, but what that means is that most of them are using features that Dart doesn't support yet. Yeah, you already support quite a lot of widgets, which is good. I mean, I, I guess, does it take a lot of time to add a widget or it just depends on the widget? Uh, not really at all. Yeah, it's, it's pretty quick to add the widgets. Um, I think the, the bigger thing that's like, more important in terms of support is uh, Dart features. So if you if you look at the Dart eval um, page, it has a list of all the Dart features that that Dart eval currently supports, and it, we're it's at about like sixty percent of uh, like major Dart features right now. Um, but there's there's a few big ones that that aren't supported yet. Like uh, um, finally isn't supported. We support try catch, but finally isn't supported yet. Um, Mixins. Um, are not supported at all right now. And um, uh, what else? Like switch statements. Um, and the only reason I haven't supported switch statements yet because it would be really easy is just because they're going to be completely changed with Dart 3. So I didn't want to go and like add support and have to rip it all out. I mean, when Dart 3 was announced, where you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. Um, but yeah, no, I think actually the, the Dart team's migration plan for it is... Uh, is really smart and makes it a lot easier for me. Like they're not going to be changing any of the core Dart API, so all of your existing Flutter code is going to work right out of the box, and uh, Dart eval is going to continue to work with all your existing Flutter code. Um, the only thing is, you know, if you are starting to actually try to make use of those new features, uh, you know, Dart eval won't be able to do that on day one, but it's certainly something that I'm going to support as soon as I can. And I think, you know, just like if nothing else, then for the desire to support switch statements, I'm going to try to do that probably before some of these other more esoteric Dart 2 features like uh, async generators and um, isolates, right? Yeah. I mean, what's the typical process? Do you start from, from Flutter side and then work on Dart, or were you just working on Dart and then whenever you need to work on something Flutter, then you will maybe go back to Dart and then go back to Flutter? Or how do you usually work on this? Um. So I think when I'm looking at it, mostly I'm starting from like what the use case is. Like, what is someone going to want to do with uh, Flutter eval? What are they going to want to try to code push? Or, um, you know, how, how do I get this thing to work? So, you know, I'll, I'll take like a sample project or um, write some of my own code and then see what doesn't work and then see what I need to fix um, to make that work. Um, 
And yeah, uh, so a lot of times I'll just be adding another widget, um, but sometimes that'll be, you know, like adding an actual new feature. And right now, one of the big things I'm trying to work on is getting some pub packages to compile. So you can already do like network requests with Dart eval, but uh, you have to use the built-in uh, HTTP client, um, which is not like as great to work with as package HTTP. It's a little bit complicated and you have to use streams. Um, so yeah, one, one of the big ones that I'd like to get to work is just being able to compile package HTTP so people can use that. And then the other place where I'm starting from is just GitHub issues. You know, people are saying like, oh, I need this thing to work. And so I'll go and usually prioritize that. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, um, has there been quite a lot of, I mean, you said people are using this in production, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I've been contacted by a few companies um, who've, uh, you know, they've, they've never ended up like sponsoring the project or anything, but I, I'm fairly sure there are people using it, especially for calculators. If you see an app with a, that's a Flutter calculator, it's a good chance it was made for Dart Evo. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm kind of curious about um, is there a way to do like, I don't know, a periodic check for like updates or like on demand where you can say, okay, click this button to update and I'll grab the latest version. Cause I'm just imagining like, with a brand new app I give to my client to to use, they report a bug, I find it, I fix it with Flutter Eval, post up a new EVC and tell them, you know, to click click a button or just wait a, a minute and then it's going to be updated. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, right now, it's just like, or I'm just covering like the, the most basic use cases. So you have to restart the app and then it should automatically check for an update, um, which, uh, you know, sort of does what I want it to do right now. And of course, you know, if you if you want to, you could go and uh, look at the source code of the hot swap widget and make your own, which does which works however you want it to work. Um, but yeah, certainly in the future, like you know, one thing that I definitely want to focus on is uh, the like full end-to-end experience of of using it. So, um, you know, even the fact that you have to help self-host updates is uh, not necessarily ideal. Um, for a lot of companies, so uh, and at the future, I'd like to make like a you know full hosted uh, solution where you where you're you're paying for you're paying some monthly fee, and then you get this whole admin dashboard, and it you know like really well developed like CLI tooling and ways to do A/B tests and uh, you know target specific portions of your audience um, and have it just handle all that for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm also interested to know about the use cases of like, um, how do you handle situations where, you know, you have an EBC file for one, I mean, I guess you could have different EBC files for different versions of the app. So you'd have like 0.1 would have to point to this file, 0.2 would point to a, a different file. That's how you kind of handle the issue of people having different versions because one of the worst problems about mobile apps is people just don't like to update. <laughs> That's like, you know, like, and so I guess you could do it that way rather than always pointing to a specific uh, file because if they're running an old version, they try to point to the, the newest one. They may not have the right code there that can get up, get updated, etc. And also, um, yeah, maybe handle retries or, you know, if, if they have a bad network or whatever, right? Like this kind of issue because sometimes like you may fix a bug and then. If somehow they cannot get the update, then they have to deal with the bug, you know, like somehow 
you know what I mean? Like, how can we handle this kind of situation? These are just some of the things that come to my mind. Like if you can somehow cash it or, or whatever, that'd just be great. But um, yeah, totally. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking into all this stuff. And uh, I think one of the big things is going to be, you know, getting it to be able to do automatic updates based on like diffing from your code um, as well. So it's, it's going to be able to at some point, right? Like, you know, you're going to be able to just instead of, because right now what you have to do is you, have, you create a separate project, which contains the code you want to update. And then you go and you like write a function that uh, updates uh, a certain piece of code, which is, is pretty easy, but I, it would still be more convenient if you could just change your existing project's code and then it would go and see what had changed since the last update and uh, figure out exactly what it needs to, what it needs to do. This is cool. I mean, like, is there any uh, updates happen to Dartaval or, or Flutterval within the immediate future that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, so immediate future, I'm going to be adding support for TryCatch finally, full support for that. And, um, you know, there's a few other like easy updates that I want to do, adding support for spreads, adding support for um, what else, like... Uh, Turn uh, now we are support Turner expressions, but um, like the uh, Elvis operators and stuff like that. That's all really easy to add. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, longer term, my goal right now is really to get pub packages to compile. So getting package HTTP working um, would be a great first step for that. And animations as well is another big one that I'd like to get to work. So. That obviously relies on mixins using a tick provider state mixin, and uh, I would uh, really like to get that that to work. Yeah, I'm just thinking to myself like I think one of the the things that people like to do, at least out here, is that all of a sudden you get like a Christmas themed app and the animation at the beginning <laughs> is updated. You know this kind of stuff. So I can imagine doing that. You just don't have the icon upgrade, which is what a lot of people also do. Like one of my apps has now got I don't know. It looks like Christmas or something. The the app icon. No, very festive. I don't know what holiday that is. Maybe it's supposed to be Easter. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So technically, you can already sort of do this stuff in Flutter Evel. You just have to create your own uh, bridge class to your own to your own. If you know what it's going to be, you can you can create a bridge class. And um, but that that's a little bit too much work for most people. So I'd certainly like to make it easier. Yeah, that's, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, is there anything else to, that you want us to know about Dartaval or Flutterval before we sign off? Because I think we've spent quite a bit of time kind of talking through it, and, and it looks pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all the use cases I would, I would love to use it for. And so, like I said, like sometimes, like I have an app that I'm working on, and it would be nice to be able to just kick out a version and say, okay, close the app and reopen it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, um, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, you know, it's always fun to like have a, a package that people want to use. And, um, you know, one, one fun thing that happened to me recently was this, uh, a Chinese user went and, um, like, uh, really did a deep dive into Flutter eval and made a bunch of blog posts about it where they, they like looked at my code very deeply and, uh, sort of documented all of it from like start to finish, how it works, how, it, how it's, uh, functions and I, I reached out to them and I thought that was that was really interesting I um you know because I ended up actually using a lot of what they wrote inside of uh Dart eval and tr just translated it from Chinese but um yeah I, I think that's really cool like the sort of like global aspect of it that some random user in China can just like come find my package and like do a deep dive into it and look at how it works 
Yeah, the Flutter community in China is quite big. I, I think it's probably because of a lot of help from Google, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, uh, one other user that had like reached out to me was, and I don't have any idea how to say this, is like FJCGY, whatever, CGY, something. Um, they created this package called Flutter Smooth. I don't know if you've heard about that at all. No. And uh, so that was like, so what that does is it actually decouples your um, like build speed of your code from the display update rate that Flutter publishes. So you can have code that runs at sub 60 FPS and uh, it will um, still render the, your app at 60 FPS. So, and it specifically, I think it targets scrolling. So even if like your app's build speed is, you know, like 10 FPS, you can still be scrolling and feel like it's 60 FPS. Um, and, you know, we had, had talked a little I think I know this one, actually. The demo is very familiar. I think I remember this. Yeah. Is, is this about the jank problem or something? Is this where yeah, it came it, from? Okay. There, there were a few problems I was aiming to solve, but one of the problems is actually code push. Like, if you have something like Dart Eval where, you know, it's it's running, like, you know, usually, like, 10 to 15 times slower than your normal Dart code. Um, and if that happens, you know, in, in a lot of cases, that's not really a problem because the build you're not actually limited by the build speed of your own code in uh, most Flutter apps. But if, if you are, um, if you have some really complex build methods and some, a lot of stuff going on in them and you know, you're, you're actually getting a slowdown from Darty Bell, then something like Flutter Smooth could uh, take it and make it so it doesn't even matter, right? You're still getting 60 FPS even if your build method is running slower. Yeah. I do remember this one. The reason I actually I know this guy, the name sounded familiar, but now I know who we were talking about. He wrote the Flutter Rust Bridge and I looked at that one quite deeply. Yeah, he's got a cool, few cool projects. Yeah, I reached out to him to come onto the show, but I think he said he was way too busy. I might need to ping him again. Maybe he's got some free time. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so yeah, we we had he had been like we had been talking a little bit just over through GitHub and uh, talking about if we could you know sort of use Flutter Smooth and um, to make Darty Val like the speed of it not even matter, uh, which would be really cool. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the collaboration of the Flutter community is pretty amazing. I think uh, for Flutter Smooth specifically, like, he actually needs to make a few patches to the Flutter engine. Um, but, uh, you know, that could be something that Flutter Eval could explore in the future, too. I think Shorebird right now, you know, they're actually building their own custom version of the Flutter engine to achieve their, you know, actual hot patching. Um, and so it'd be interesting if, if Darty Val just, like, patch the engine with Flutter Smooth to get the performance all the way up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to see what they're working on. It sounds interesting. I mean, if you have the, the creator of Flutter working on this, it must be something interesting. And then he must really understand what's going on and what can be done. I'm just wondering how how it will work where, I mean, is there things going to be given back to the Flutter team or Flutter community? That'd be nice to have. Uh, of course, I, I mean, they have to have something for themselves too, right? Because they're their business right yeah well i mean i think their, their whole code is open source okay i guess they may be just going to consulting work but um it's interesting that they're making a whole business out of this yeah it's uh you know it's something that i thought about i'm not sure how much interest there is we'll see but there's i wish them the best of success and i'm sure that eric knows what he's doing okay well um yeah i mean we, we've had quite a bit of time and uh i've gotten to know this project quite well and i'm, I'm hoping that it can stick around for a while, not like some of the others that have come and gone. Hopefully it's going to come and never leave. So I'm hoping for it. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on.